Thank you for listening to the sermon audio podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. Now here's a message from our senior pastor, Brian Bond. All right, good morning. Man, that was good. All right, everybody's awake, clothed, and some of us are in our right minds. That's good. It's a good start to the day. It's going to be a good day. Um, that was kind of a joke. Did y'all get that? I mean, y'all didn't, just, anyway. All right, I, I'm just kind of starting to, a new series, I believe, that um, it's going to be called Uneasy. And it's about passages in Scripture that, uh, when I read them, it just kind of make me uneasy. Like there's something there that I need to, need to know that I'm not sure about or something more that I need to kind of delve into. And I don't know about you, but sometimes when I get to the passages, I just kind of roll on by them because I'm not 100% sure that I want to know some of those things. And so that's kind of what this one starts out as. And so if you don't mind, go ahead and turn your Bibles to Psalm 51. And this is uh, the Psalm that David wrote. It, this is a, it's a Psalm that I love that I take great comfort in. It, it's about um, the time after David has been confronted by the prophet about his sin with Bathsheba and then his attempts to cover it up. Um, which resulted in him sending Uriah to the front along with a letter that he carried and gave to his commander. And he told the commander to put him at the front of the battle in, the, in, the, in the, the most heated part and then to pull the men back and basically sentenced him to death. And, and you know, if you can't really, probably can't think of sins much worse than that one. And, and as far as Bathsheba, we never know if she was cooperative but she didn't have any choice. When the king summons you, you, you go. And it, it was one of the worst sins you could imagine. And in, in, this, in this psalm, in Psalm 51, he um, begins to pour out his heart about his um, asking forgiveness and about seeking God. And there's something in there that makes me a little uneasy. So anyway, if you don't mind uh, Psalm 51, if you'd please stand in honor the reading of God's Word. I'm going to read verses 1 through 4. Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion. Blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. For I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say in your judgment against me is just. Thank you. You may be seated. You know, there are a lot of things that make me uneasy about David's sin, but the thing that kind of gets me in this particular verse, I mean, I love the part where he's asking for mercy and he talks about God's unfailing love. I love um, that he calls on God's great compassion to blot out the stain of my sins. And I, you know, I, I, I love that part of this, of this psalm. And it, it recognize his rebellion, that it haunts him day and night. I get that too. But then there's this sentence that, that kind of makes me a little uneasy. And it says, against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. And you know, I, I can't help but think, what would Uriah's dad, father, have thought about that? Or his mother, when David says, against you and you alone have I sinned? Because his sin caused damage to other people's lives. It caused damage in the life of Bathsheba and, and in his own family. And so, how do you say that? And what does that mean when he says against you and you only have I sinned? And so today we're going to look at 
two different aspects. Number one is when we've harmed someone else. You know, when we've sinned against God, but we've also hurt people around us. And then we're going to look at, because it's, this is one of those things, and I think you'll see it as we get farther into it. The other part of it is, how do we forgive people that have wronged us? And the fact is, it it is two sides of the same coin. And those two things are very related in Scripture. And I want you to see the relation between those things. But we're going to start out with when we've wronged someone else. And it, it does start with repentance. And David repented the moment he was confronted by Nathan. He, re, he repented before God. He's repenting in the, in the psalm that we read. And, and repentance is something that we are called to do. 1 John 1, 9 through 10. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. So we're to, we're to repent, and that means to turn away from. And, and part of that is confessing our sins before God, and that's not something that stops the moment we're saved. It should continue on. And we do need to continue to ask forgiveness. It's a reminder to us about what our sins cost Jesus on the cross. And the, it cleanses us from all unrighteousness and from all wickedness. Now, am I saying you got to keep a list all day long? Oh, had a bad thought, went a little over the speed limit. Blah. No, I'm not saying that. You know, we, there's a general God, forgive me of my sins. But you know what? There's sometimes when we need to specifically repent. God, I did this and I, I, I you know, I, I wish I hadn't. And, and, and it's important to keep short accounts with God. You know, you're, you're not called to confess to another man or whatever. It's, we are called to confess before God. And so we want to keep short accounts with him. And I, I want to also make something clear. It's important also that we try to make things right with the people that we've hurt. You know, a lot of our sins are against other people. And so we do what we can. But we also recognize in Galatians 3.13, that Christ has, has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who hung on a tree. So Jesus paid the price for our sins. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't try to make things right. The Bible says, as much as you're able, be at peace with all people. And in the Old Testament, there's all kinds of verses that talk about restitution. You know, hey, if, you, if your bull gores someone and it's by accident, then, you know, you should take care of uh, their injuries and any lost wages. But if you, you knew your bull gored people and you let him out anyway, there's a greater penalty and a greater responsibility. Those things make sense to us. But you know what? There's so many times, you know, when we say something or we do something to someone that it, it doesn't feel like enough really to apologize, does it, or to ask forgiveness. And we are to ask forgiveness when we can. Now, I want to make something clear. You need to, you need to ask forgiveness and you need to repent in the arena that you sinned, okay? So if you sinned in your mind or your heart, that doesn't mean you need to go to that person that you sinned against and ask their forgiveness. You need to ask forgiveness of God. I had a woman come to me years and years ago and say, I just, I, I wanna, I just wanna tell you something that I've forgiven you. I'm like, for what? Well, you said something three years ago and it just really hurt my feelings. And I'm like, what was it? Well, I can't remember exactly. But I've forgiven you for that. I've been angry. I've been mad for three years and angry, angry towards you. And she left feeling much better, and I left feeling a lot worse. 
because I didn't even know she was angry, and I didn't remember even anything about what she said she was upset about. <laughs> so the proper thing to do in that instance is you go before God because you go tell somebody, hey, I was, what, is, what does that help? It doesn't help them, that's for you, okay? Now, if you say something to a person individually and you realize you messed up or you did something to them, then yeah, you go to them and say, man, I'm sorry. I, I messed up. Would you forgive me? And if it happens in front of a group of people, you do it in front of that group. But if you sin against somebody, you don't have to go confess in front of the whole church or your small group Bible study or whatever. You, you don't have to go do that. You do it in the arena that it was, if you sin in front of a bunch of people, then try to apologize in front of a bunch, the same bunch. But if you sin with one, then ask forgiveness for them. But you know what? Here's the thing about when we do that. It doesn't always really fix things, does it? I mean, we ask forgiveness and, you know, we try to be sincere and we try to do the best we can, but it doesn't always fix things. You know, you can do, you can only do what you can. You know, um, a few years, several years ago, I had a, uh, a chocolate lab and I had never done this before, but I actually bought this lab for I researched because I wanted a duck dog. And I found this lab in Salt Lake City, Utah and had it flown down to the airport, went and got it, took it home, became part of our family. Every night Braxton, when he'd go to bed, this dog would go in and lay down with him until he went to sleep and then would come out and give a big sigh like, hey, I've done my job for the day and, you know, come back in the living room. But you know, Braxton loved this dog. Well, we got to a point in her training where I couldn't finish it. I didn't have the time. And so I sent her to a trainer. The trainer lost her. And he apologized and offered us another dog. But you know what? <laughs> Wasn't quite good enough. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that, he did the best that he could, but it didn't really fix the situation. I still had a son that was mad at me for sending her to the trainer at all. And it, it, you know, we had, okay, we had another dog, but it wasn't that dog. And so that's part of the problem is we go and we, we ask forgiveness, but you can't unsay a word. You can't unsay something that you said. You can't undo something that's been done. You can't restore things to the way that they were. And here's what I want you to see is that when we ask forgiveness, we can't make it right. To make it right would be to erase it or make it as though it hadn't happened or fully restore whatever's lost. And it just doesn't work. Now, I want you to understand there's only one way. And here's something that's critical. When we try to take it upon ourselves to think, man, if I, I, I need to make this right. We're taking on debt that we can't pay. And we're taking on debt that belongs to someone else. Here's what I mean. In Colossians 2, 13 through 14, you were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. You see, he took the penalty for our sin. He took the debt that we owed that we could not pay. And so here's the thing. We can ask forgiveness. We can do, but the only one that can restore what was taken is God. 
And so what we have to do is trust that God can make right what we can't. We have to trust that God has paid the price for our sins. And that's hard to do sometimes. But here's something I want you to understand. If you're carrying guilt and you're carrying shame for past actions that you've repented of and and you've turned away from them, and you did your best to make it right, that guilt and that shame is not from God. As a matter of fact, Jesus died for that. And when you try to take that guilt and shame with you moving forward, you're trying to dig up something that God's already buried out in the middle of the sea and posted a no fishing sign over it. You're trying to take up something that Jesus has already dealt with. And when it comes to the restoration part, that's something you were never able to do anyway. Only God can do that. Only God can do that. And so we have to trust what Jesus did. Isaiah 53 is, is a, it's a prophetic chapter about Jesus, about the Messiah. And it is the most clear and probably the best picture we have in the Old Testament of who Jesus is going to be. Some, you know, there's people that would that say it's the culmination of prophecy. And so I want to read to you a few verses. Isaiah 53, verses 4 through 6. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own, yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. You know, that that one passage where it says, he was whipped so we could be healed, you may have heard it also translated as, by our stripes, we are, by his stripes, we are healed. And that's talking about when he was whipped with the cat of nine tails. You know, I've looked a lot at that passage. What does that mean? I don't believe that passage is talking about physical healing. Our Here's something you can rest assured. No matter what illness, no matter what sickness you get, God's going to heal you of it, period. Okay? Now, it may be on this side of heaven or it may be on that side of heaven, but God's going to heal you of it. Now, sometimes he heals people right here on this earth. Sometimes God chooses to do that. But he's going to heal all of us at some point. Okay? And this passage is not, I don't believe talking about in the context that is giving in, given in, is not talking about healing of physical ailments. It's talking in the context of making us whole, of restoring us, of, of giving back to us what was taken away, of healing hurts. And the stripes Jesus were given were given before he was sent to the cross. And so I believe these are, that verse is so that we can trust that God's going to heal here on this earth, our hearts, those places where we hurt. And we have to trust that when God takes on the debt that we owe, that he can also heal people that we've hurt. That he can do what we can't do. He can restore what we can't fix. He can make right what's not 
ever going to be right, according to us, or by our ways of thinking. And so we have to lay that down and give that to Jesus. The hurts that we have inflicted on other people. And that can be hard. Because I bet every one of us in here can remember a hurt that we've dealt someone else. Sometimes from years ago. And we wanted more than anything to make that right. And we can't. But Jesus can. As a matter of fact, that debt's his. And so what am I to do? Hey, I, 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 when I repented of it, I turned away from it. I don't ever want to do that again. I can't go back and fix something that can't be fixed by me. But what I can do is move on and lay aside the guilt and lay aside the shame of whatever it is that I've done. Now, understand there are consequences that follow our sins in this life. They follow, their, that's a natural part of the order of life. Is we do things and sometimes it follows us. But we don't have to live in shame or guilt just because those consequences follow us and just because they're seen even by other people. What we have to do is be open and, and face it head on. Yep, somebody brings it up. It comes up as a part of life. Man, that was something I did that was outside of God's will. But you know what? God's forgiven me. God's restoring me. And by his grace, I'm trusting him to restore anybody that I hurt. And I'm praying for that, that God will restore, that he'll do what I can't do. All I'm doing now is trying to live for him today and trying to move forward in faith in what he's called me to today. That's our calling. That's what we're to do. If you've hurt somebody that you can't fix, you've got to trust that the stripes of Jesus can heal them. Because you can't, you can't fix it. Now here's the next part. People hurt us. And sometimes they come to us and, and they're, maybe we forgive them, but it doesn't fix it really, does it? It doesn't make it whole. It doesn't wipe it away as though it wasn't there. So what's God command us to do? You know, Jesus is talking about forgiveness in Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 22. And he comes to Jesus and says, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? And then G Peter says something that I would think is pretty magnanimous. I mean, should I forgive him seven times? I mean, you think about it, somebody hurting you seven times a lot, right? I mean, most of us think ah, two or three strikes, pff, you're out, I'm done. He even doubled it more than that. Seven, because seven is a perfect number. And here's what Jesus responds. He says, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven. And what he meant by that was an infinite number. 70 times seven is the perfect number. Seven is the number of God. Six is the number of man. Always one short. We're deficient. We fall short of the glory of God. 70 times seven means forever. You forgive people forever. And then he, he goes on to tell the story about a king who heard about a guy who owed like 50 million bucks and made $100 a year. And he calls him in and says, hey, it's time to pay up. You owe me this money. And the guy begs for mercy. He says, I can't pay this. <laughs> Whatever. And the king says, okay, I'll tell you what, I'm going to wipe out your debt. He doesn't say, hey, I'll reduce it down to what you can pay or give me everything you own. He says, I'm going to just forgive your debt. I'm going to wipe it off the books. 
like it never happened. And so the guy, oh, thank you so much. And he goes right out and he finds a guy that owns, owes him 50 cents. And he grabs him around the neck and says, pay up what you owe me. And when the guy done, he said, well, I'm going to throw you in jail then. The king hears about it, tells his servants to go out and bring the guy in. And the story picks up in verses 32 through 35. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. Now this next one is a verse I'm very uneasy with sometimes. Listen to it. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. See, we're commanded to give, to forgive. And you know why God has the right? Because he's God and because he's forgiven us for all our sins. It's a command. And you know what? You should be thankful for this command. Be thankful for it. Why should I? I can't, I don't want to forgive that sorry dude. And we come through all kinds of things. You know what I was thinking the other day about somebody that I was friends with years and years ago where they had done something for me. I couldn't even, I, I was having, I was struggling to remember their name. And as I was thinking through some things that reminded me about this other person from the same time frame that had cheated me out of a, a considerable chunk of money. And you know what I recognized? I immediately remembered her name. I remembered where she lived. I remembered what she did for a living. I even remembered that I had looked up how I could get in touch with her, find her or whatever. I'm going to ask you something. How many people that have hurt you over the last years can you immediately call up all kinds of facts about? I could pick her out of a lineup tomorrow. <laughs> and I bet you got people like that in your memory too. But here's the thing. Not only did God call us to forgive, he took on their debt too. It says in Colossians 3, 12 through 13, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you so you must forgive others. When we choose not to forgive, we're disobeying the one who forgave us everything. He forgave us a debt that we could never repay. And we're choosing not to forgive someone that hurt us. You see, here's the thing. Jesus took on their debt too. He paid for those sins that were sinned against you as well as the sins you committed against others. John 2.2, 2, he himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins, and not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. Now you see, here's the thing. They may not get the benefit of it if they don't trust Christ and receive forgiveness for their own sins, but thank goodness he took on their debt. 
to repay us. You want to know why we should thank God for that? Because they never could have fixed it anyway. You see, God took something from them, maybe that they owed you. And he said, I'm going to take this because I can really fix it. And you know what? Here's something I can tell you for sure. What that individual took from me, God repaid and restored. God fixed it. And you know what? There was a period of time where I was like, well, I appreciate you doing that, God. But she still owes me. Now, I want, I want you to understand something. I understand that if somebody breaks the law and they've done something to you that's illegal, that, that you know, an assault or, or abuse or whatever, I think it's fine to seek out justice. But understand something. That justice is not going to fix the wounds in your heart. You're wanting something from them that will never take care of that and will never fix it. And see, when we're trying to debt collect on our own, well, you know what? I just want them to get what they deserve. I want, them to, I, want, I want something to happen to them that's just like what they did to me so they'll know what it feels like. We're trying to collect a debt from them that they could never pay. How many times have you seen somebody and they go through this whole process because somebody... And I'm not saying they shouldn't have, but maybe it's even because somebody's killed one of their relatives or their husband or their wife, and they, they, they go through that whole thing of trying to get justice. And they get to the end of it, and somebody says, will this bring closure? Well, not really. Because the person that was gone is still gone. Can't get closure you can't get restored from somebody else's stripes. It's only by his stripes that you're healed. And so here's the thing. When you forgive them, you're also trusting that what they can't fix and what they can't repay, that Jesus will do for you. Because that's what he does. First Peter 5, 10 and 11. In His kindness, God called you to share in His eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you've suffered a little while, He will restore, support, and strengthen you. And He will place you on a firm foundation. All power to Him forever. Only by His stripes can we be healed. You've got to let go. of trying to get justice or trying to get revenge or whatever else on somebody that's hurt you because all it's going to do is leave you empty and bitter. Unforgiveness is swallowing a poison pill and hoping the other person will die. It's allowing a root of bitterness to spring up. And the Bible says, don't allow a root of bitterness to spring up amongst you because it will defile many. When you allow bitterness to get, come up in your life because of what somebody else has done to you, you will poison the relationships around you and you will hurt other people that you love because of that bitterness. It doesn't mean that you just, 
oh well, whatever. What it means is you make a conscious decision whether they've asked you to or not, whether they asked for forgiveness. I didn't think they were being real sincere about it. They didn't show me enough. You realize it doesn't say in the Bible, thou shalt forgive your brother as long as they really sincerely apologize. Guess what? We're called to forgive them whether they ask for it or not. And God doesn't do that or tell you to do that for their benefit. He does that for you. Because he wants you to experience the restoration that can only come from trusting what Christ can give you. It's by his stripes that we're healed. He took the debt that I could not pay. He took the debt that the person that hurt you cannot pay. And so you choose, God, I'm going to forgive this person. And I'm going to trust you. I'm going to forgive them because you, you paid for their sin just like you paid for mine. And the debt that they owe me, I, I'm going to trust that you, God, will do what's right. That you can restore me. That you can heal me. That you can give me what I couldn't get from anyone else. It's the only way it works. But here's the problem. Here's the thing. It's when you cannot trust God's forgiveness for you and what you've done to someone else, it's hard to receive God's forgiveness for what someone else has done for you and vice versa. So we're called to do both. We're called to trust that God's forgiven us. And in that trust, we're called to forgive others. It's not an easy thing to do. Over and over again, God says, you return to me, I will restore. I will restore. It's the only way it works. There are A lot of parts of that that are, that are hard to grasp. I understand that. But what I want you to remember is that the stripes Jesus bore were to heal you of the wounds of others. And the stripes Jesus bore are also to heal those that you've wounded. The, ones, the things you can't fix. It's equally both. The guilt and shame you're carrying around, that's not from God. You've got to lay that down or it's going to drag you down. The guilt and shame you want to heap on somebody else, that's dragging you down too. And you've got to lay that down if you want to be able to live free. You know, there are, some of us, I know, you have some deep wounds And there are, there are a lot of wounds that we take that, that really are not anywhere near as deep as some of the things that we've done. They're not as, they don't compare. Every single one of us in here, you realize 
every sin that we sin against God, every time we break one of his commandments, every time you sin against someone else, you break God's commandment. And the penalty for that is death. Every single one of us in here, without Jesus, will be walking around with thousands of death sentences. Thousands. Oh, you remember when you were angry at that person, and you, or you lost your temper, or you lied, or you did whatever? Death sentence. But because of Jesus, that's all wiped out. Now, I want to ask you a question. The people that hurt you, would you think that, that what they did to you was worthy of death? But we've been forgiven a death. You know, it's like we've been let off death row. I want you to think, you've been let off death row because you committed crimes that were worthy of death and you want to go out there and throw somebody in prison because they committed a misdemeanor against you. That's what we're doing. Now, I get it. Some of those wounds, there should be justice if for no other reason to keep them from doing it to somebody else. I, I fully understand that. And I'm not saying it's wrong to seek that, but understand that it can't fix you. You know, that there was recently a case over in Dallas where a police officer, for whatever reason, thought they were going into their apartment and the officer shot the man that was inside and then there was a, a trial and she was found guilty and put in prison. And I don't know whether it was the right verdict or not. I don't have any idea. But that family was, a, that family was different. Because they went and sat through the trial and they, you know, they asked him afterwards. I've seen a lot of people sit after these trials. Hey, did this make you feel better? Did this fix things? Did this bring you closure? No. But in this case, they said, we've already forgiven her. Because they were a family that believed in Jesus. And the man who was killed was, was a, a believer. And they said, you know what? We did that because that's what we're commanded to do. And also because that's what he would have done. They got closure. It wasn't because of a sentence from a court. It was because of forgiveness. And they said, we're at peace with whatever happens. Even before it came out. They got closure and healing. And I'm not saying it's done. There's probably going to be a lot more healing down the road. But they got it because they forgave. It didn't change what the justice system did, but it changed what happened in their heart and in their life. And the only way you're going to be set free and restored is to forgive. And some of you, you need to start it's a choice, and it may not happen in a moment. I mean, I, it, it, Lord, help me. For, I'm forgiving this person for what they did to me. It doesn't, boom, it's all gone. But maybe it starts with, I, I know I need to forgive them, but I don't really want to, so I need you to help me want to. I want to please you, and I want to do what's right. Maybe it may start with a prayer like that, but start somewhere, because that's the beginning of the road to healing. God, I can't let go of what I've done to someone else. And God, I know that not letting go of that is to doubt what you've done for me, that you took my debts, that you took and erased the record of wrongs that I've committed. 
God, help me to believe and to trust what you've done for me. Because you're going to have a hard time forgiving other people if you can't receive God's forgiveness. And you're going to have a hard time receiving God's forgiveness if you can't forgive other people. You got to get started. You got to choose to lay it down. It's not easy. It's going to take time. It's a process, but start by. There's one thing that I want you to remember. By his stripes, we are healed. By his wounds, we are healed. My healing is going to come from him, not from anybody else. The restoration is going to come from him, not from anybody else. And the healing that other people need is not coming from me. It's coming from God. That's the, he's the only one that can do it. You know, it starts with, some of us are carrying around the burdens of all your sins because you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior and Lord. I want to tell you, you may not even realize you're carrying it, but you are. The Bible says, We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, every single one of us. But you can lay that burden down before you walk out of here. Maybe all of us in here need to lay something down. Maybe it's unforgiveness. Maybe it's doubting God's forgiveness of us. We need to lay it down. But if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I want, you, I want to tell you you can have one today, and I want to tell you how to do it. You've got to admit that you're a sinner. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Number two, you got to ask forgiveness of your sins as you turn away from them. You have to believe that Jesus is God's Son. See, the only one that could do all these things I'm telling you is Jesus. The only one who can do it is the one who's prophesied about in Isaiah 53. He's the only one. The reason he can do those things is because he's God's Son. He was born of a virgin. He lived a life without sin. He was fully God and fully man at the same time. It's a mystery. The cross is a mystery in a lot of ways. I know what, I know what he does. I know what it does, but I'm still learning more and more about the mystery of the cross. Now, God's revealed it to us, but sometimes the reason it's being revealed to me is because I, I just hadn't grasped hold of it yet completely. But he came and died on the cross for your sins and for mine. Then he rose on the third day, according to Scripture. He proved that everything that he said was true. He gave his life, and he took it, and God gave it back to him, or he took it back, and rose from the dead. Nobody else has done that in all history. Now Lazarus was rose from the dead, but Jesus did that too. And then the last thing you got to do is confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And when you do that, your sins are forgiven. The record's cleansed. The debt is transferred. You don't owe a debt anymore. You never could have paid it anyway, but it's gone. If you'd like to know that your sins are forgiven, that you're right with God, and that you'll be with Him forever, I want to lead you in a brief prayer of salvation. So I'm going to ask everyone to bow your head, close your eyes. 
you can repeat this after me. Just pray in your heart. God will hear you. Or you can pray in your own words. But if that's you and you'd like to know your sins are forgiven, that you're right with God, I want you to pray this with me right now. Dear God, thank you for loving me and thank you for Jesus. God, I know I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart, my life. Change me. and Make me yours. I know Jesus is your son. I know he died on the cross for my sins. And I believe he rose on the third day according to scripture. So today I trust Jesus as my savior and I confess him as my Lord. Now, if you prayed that prayer today without anybody else looking around, here's what I want you to do. I want you to look up at me and keep looking until I see you. I'm not going to ask you to stand up or say anything. I just want you to look up at me so I can pray for you. You prayed that prayer, you look up at me right now and keep looking. Okay. I also want to pray for all of us that we could lay down that guilt and shame that comes from hanging on to a debt that we never could have paid in the first place. And that we could release those who owe us by giving and trusting God to restore what only He can restore. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank You. I pray, dear God, that You'd help us to fully grasp the freedom that we have in Christ, the depths of Your love for us, and Father, the completeness of your forgiveness. Father, help us to grasp that, cover the hurts in our own life, and trust that, that you would cover the hurts in those that we hurt. Father, we thank you for your son Jesus. We thank you for the cross, and we thank you for your love for us. In Jesus' name that we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. You can find links to topics and scriptures discussed in this episode by looking at the show notes. You can find more information online at greenwood.church. If you have any questions or comments, please send an email to info at greenwoodbc.com.